part of those commercials. It is Book Talk time. Recording in progress. Yeah, it is time for Book Talk. It is 5 Eastern, even though we had to run those promos. That's a obligation the station is required to keep our license. So we have to do that. So it's not all fun. We don't enjoy doing it, but we have to. So I'm going to turn it over to Jenny, and she'll turn it over to Nolan. And we thank Perry for being here and everybody for coming in the Zoom room and listening on the radio. We thank everybody for listening, all the new people we get, all the people that are regulars and everybody. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Book Talk. Hope everyone had a good reading week. I've had an interesting reading week and uh, I've been reading our buddy book and uh, it's interesting that's we're not supposed to really talk about it yet but <laughs> it's it's there's some interesting things in there but that I certainly didn't know no we talk about your... that we talk about that when next week yeah uh, the tenth tenth okay so Nolan how are things with you I know well, it's an interesting reading week I've had a oh I almost didn't come to this podcast. <laughs> oh, no. That's the juvenile in me. I got caught up in a book earlier today, and I took it with me to the do- I took the book with me to the doctor's office. I took it with me to the lab to get blood work done everywhere. I went, and my, my little book was with me, and um, I thought, oh, gosh, I've got to finish it before the podcast because I want to talk about it. And it came down to, I tried to log in here at 558 East, and it was 554, and... Uh, the iPad said, end of book. <laughs> and man, I barely, barely made it. I, uh, I really, it was that good. I really thought, you know, I, I just, if I send Bill and Jenny an email to say, I'll be there, but I'll be about five minutes. Give me about five extra minutes. That's uh, what I tried to do, Nolan, with our with the buddy book. I, I was trying to finish it all in one night. Oh, brother. And it got to, finally got to two o'clock in the morning. And oh. it's like, oh, I can't do that. I, oh, I got to take a break. Oh, that's grim if you've got to. Yeah, stuff you got to do the following day. And we fortunately on that particular day, I didn't. So. Oh, thank goodness! And we could have covered Nolan. We the, no, I would not have done that to you. No, that's really but juvenile. But I that's my way of trying to, to express to you yeah. how valuable that, how interesting that book was to me. I, right. I now I'd have I'd have been here on time, but it, I, <laughs> I was like, oh, I got three minutes. Oh, I just you know, do I have to wait that long? So yeah, it's it's been a great reading week and. Um, uh, it's just been a good week all the way around for me. I've, I've just oh had a delightful weekend. At, yeah, I don't know. I don't deserve the kind of blessings I'm getting all the time from all kind of places. So, um, two weeks from today, remember we have the buddy read, and uh, that looks really good. I haven't started it yet. I'll be the first to confess, but I haven't. I will make it. I will have it done before the meeting. Also, later in November, just for those of you who may not be aware, a DB Review, almost annually, hosts what it calls a fall classic. Sounds like it ought to be a golf tournament. It's not. Or the World Series. Or the World Series, that too. We read a book deemed classic literature by the National Library Service, and then we get together one night in November, usually on the anniversary of the birth of talking book narrator Alexander Scorby, 
who, if you're young to talking books, you may not even know who he was. Some of us who are a little older and have used the program longer uh, will remember him as arguably one of the great narrators. He, he is the voice of the King James Version of the Bible in many circles, if you use that version. And uh, Scorby's voice is very much there, not only in the NLS world, but in the commercial world uh, for a long time. It was his voice that, that narrated that. Um, so uh, this November, we're going to do it on the 14th, and it's called, the book is called A Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. And uh, that starts at 8.30 p.m. East, and I will send out directions to the DB review list and uh, may may drop them into book talk as well, just for those who may be on that and not, not the other and who might want to show up. So it's Mark Twain, A Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. Looks really fun. Uh, a young man is transported back to 568 in time and uh, tries to do things that will that will change live the lives of the people who lived in in King Arthur's day. So uh, it's Mark Twain classic humor. Should be a good experience. So that's the uh, the upshot of my week. Unfortunately, I've read a lot of garbage this week too, which is <laughs> sad because life is super short and you really don't want to cl- encumber it with garbage. If you can help it. It happens, though. Sometimes you just... Let's go to... Jane. So, Jane, go ahead and and uh, unmute, please. I'm glad, glad there to be here. There she is. Yep, I'm glad to be here. So, Nolan, you know, I don't like to snoop or anything, but if I hear the word trash one more time... I think I'm going to send everybody a garbage bag <laughs> say, come on, come on. But anyway, I have to hear one book that you thought was trash. And before I allow that, um, I do, if any of you want to hear Alexander Scorby, outside of the biblical strength of his voice, I think is the prisoner at Zenda would be a great one. I think he read that. Um, my, I'm associating that with him, but I guess I should go check before I tell you to read it. But do uh, go look him up by his name if you want. Find a book so you get a sense of it. Because it, it is an amazing presenting voice. Anyway, yeah. so let's see. Uh, I do want to know a garbage book, Nolan. And um, then I can come back and tell you. I do want to recommend a book, too, but I'll wait. All right, if you're going to insist. Um, <laughs> I do. Um, let me... I, I, that caught me a little off guard. Give me about three seconds, guys. Um, all right. Um, let's do it this way. I mentioned this, I think, in my book review group last night, or my list. And I'm only going to spend a couple of minutes on it, just... The kind of stuff that frustrates and, and annoys me. Mm-hmm. This is Allison. Allison. Uh, no, hold on. I have to open it. I wasn't going to open the book, uh, the file, uh, but her name is Brennan. Allison Brennan is the author of an entire series about a super brilliant little FBI agent who conquers the universe and uh, ensures that all others are inferior to her. I'm exaggerating a tiny bit. This main character is Lucy Kincaid, 
Ms. Kincaid is actually uh, living with and apparently in the series later on down the road eventually marries a computer whiz guy named <laughs> Sean Rogan. The two of them together combine to do amazing stuff in terms of her work as an agent with the FBI. Ms. Kincaid has gone through a great deal of trauma in her life. She was raped. She was kidnapped. She had to rescue some stolen little boys from old Mexico at one point in earlier books in the series. As a result, her stability is, quite frankly, in question in my mind. I am... And it, I, I had to trash the book because I got so tired of reading about her hang-ups and her... Yeah. Her, her let, let, me, let me defend her a second, though. Oh, uh, I mean, please do. Gone, no, help me. Help me, please you do. You had gone through all the things, if you read the first book, and, and if you had gone through all the things that she's gone through, you may be like that. You are I mean, right. Have you ever been in a situation where you barely got away from somebody before? I mean, I was in... At one time, if I hadn't gotten away from somebody, who knows what might have happened to me. And you think about things like that, and it probably, if you didn't get away, I'm sure it would affect you a lot more. Plus, I read one of the later books, and part of it is the narrators they picked to read them, because this first one I read was Aaron Jones, and she did a very good job. Well, I, I, I respect I read, that. like, uh, book 17, and that lady was whiny and aggravating, right. and I couldn't <laughs> wait to finish it. And, and I, you know, it's... But, I well, mean, give her a break. I respect can, that, and I, I, I apologize for a minute? if I've been harsh. I um, But... I just couldn't take it anymore, quite honestly, and I've abandoned the series, so you will never have to listen to me whine about it again. So that's a good thing. So that's my trash book of the week. Go ahead, Jane. And then, Pierre, you'll be up after her. Go ahead, Jane. Well, and it's called Best Laid Plans. That was the name of the book, in case you want to go back and read it and tell me that it was really good and I was wrong. That would be fine. It's book nine in the Lucy Kincaid series. Okay, can you hear me? Yes. yes. Okay, so... Nolan, don't ever apologize for speaking the truth as you read it and live it and know it. There are some wonderful series out there. I think of Margaret Mizushiba, and I'm not sure I'm saying it's the the Silver Creek Canine series. Yep. The, the yep. dog hero is Robo. The the girl hero is Maddie. Right. And I want to be like Maddie in my next life yeah, because she's so down to earth and hardcore. And she pushes forward. It's utterly realistic. It's convincing. Whereas Lucy Kincaid, for yes. me, I just go, this is crap. Come on. Yes. She's too She's too up there on the clouds of I'm the super achiever or whatever she does. Yeah, that, that's the part I don't that like bothers her me too. at all. I, yeah. I don't want to be her friend. Right, and, right. Uh, yeah, so, I just... And I'm not going to apologize for that, but I do so, appreciate that having been through um, a number of, of tough stuff situations, it is a very important question to ask yourself as a reader. What would I do alike and what would I do differently? That's a valid point. Um, so there you go. Goodbye. I'm, I'm a pretty I'll private listen. person, and so I don't think I would overshare quite to the degree Lucy Kincaid seems to overshare, but that's just me. Yeah, I think oversharing is a perfect <laughs> word for it. But yeah, that's anyway, I'm going to listen now. So you asked, and now you got it. So did, <laughs> I know. What are you going to recommend? You have to. You have to. Oh, you said you well, were going to recommend something. The so. book, the book of lost names <laughs> by uh oh by Kristen Harmel. 
is takes place during the Second World War. A mother and a daughter get stuck trying to escape uh, being herded off as Jewish women who live in France getting herded off anyway. But one of them is a librarian, and she keeps her, her travels as she tries to protect her mother, reconnect her mother and father, get them all to safety, and some of it works and some doesn't. But she keeps a journal of little ones that she renames and has learned how to use a typewriter and then makes escape papers for, or whatever you call them, papers to go somewhere else. And um, and it's a compelling story. I think, okay, what would I do to help if I were in that situation? Could I do what she did? And she determined to stand her ground, and she did it with a plum and fierce determination. And I think it's a, a very fine book. The ending of the book will just surprise you. Mm. It really will. There is a love story in the book, and people meet and love one another and then are separated by many, many years of thinking that they will never see each other again. And it's convincing. I thought that the book would leave off with that openness, that they never got to see each other again. But the librarian sees an ad for that journaling book in and goes after it. And then, well, now you know the ending. Uh, but anyway, read it. Please, please do. The Book of No, The Book of Lost Names by Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-I-N, Harmel, H-A-R-M-E-L, I believe. Very good. Thank you. Pierre is next. Uh, Pierre, go right ahead. Come on, guys. Quit picking on Lucy Kincaid. Oh, I'm like sorry. <laughs> are, you a, are you a big fan, Pierre? Yes, I enjoy her book, so leave her alone. All right, all right. <laughs> and, I promise. Uh, and I agree on those books with Robo the Dog. Those are excellent. Those are fun, excellent. aren't they? Yeah. I, yeah. I really enjoy those. But leave Lucy alone. Okay, I'm, I will. <laughs> I've never had so much fun here. <laughs> Why did she have to ask me to do a bad book? Oh, yeah, so watching, the, <laughs> watching the reviews, watching the reactions. That's what everybody else is like. Learned. That's a, those are great book, man. What is it? Yeah. And I'm now I'm over here thinking, whoa, what have I missed? Maybe I really should go back and re reread this. Huh? It's not going to happen. But I like the, the fact that people aren't afraid to express their opinion. I love that. That's it's, the best it's okay if you disagree. Do. It's all sure. right. That's part of it. That's yeah. why people that's read the, books. the huge part of it, yes. You know, that's what yeah. it's all about. That's why there's all those books you can download. Exactly. If everybody yep. liked the same book, there wouldn't be an LS. That's right. But unfortunately, when you deal with audio, lots of times it's the narrator that that messes things up. Sometimes. That can happen. Yep. Deborah, you're up next. Go ahead and unmute, and we would we'll be able to hear you. And then, um, and then, uh, Kathy, you'll be up right after her. Well, I guess I'm in the doghouse with Nolan because oh, no. I'm not Lucy Kincaid either. I first came across her in one of the Max Revere books that's yes, by yes. Author, and I actually enjoyed those. Mm-hmm. Sorry to see them end. I don't think there's but like maybe five of them. But yep. the one that had Lucy in it really kind of made me think, what a whining. And I, but I thought, well, you know, I love 
the Max Revere enough that I wanted to see more about what she had read or had written. And I think I got the same one you did. or Because the way I looked it up, it looked like there was like a Kincaid series. Yeah. Yep. It was a Lucy Kincaid. Yeah, it's I a cartridge buster. The one buster. That I got was the same one you reviewed mm. yesterday. Mm-hmm. And it was awful. I didn't even finish it. Right. Right. Well, yeah. It's... But, that just, but like somebody said, it's the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And I guess that. You're the audiobook listener, but exactly. it was not for me. Yeah. 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 I, I'm glad, glad some of you really enjoy her, though. That makes me happy. It's a. Uh... Oh, my. We, we've got all kinds of folks to hand up. <laughs> We're getting all kinds of Jane. Thank uh, you, Jane. Uh, talk privately, man. Look what you started. Oh, my goodness. Happy? I'm, I'm only kidding. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm unmuted. <laughs> Go ahead, Kathy. Well, hi, everybody. Uh, I got this one from DB Review, so you might know it. It's DB95368. A dog named Beautiful, a Marine, and a long road trip home. And I cried through a lot of it. I Oh, I don't know. It, the dog has cancer, and they decide to go on a road trip, so the dog just has new experiences. And it, I just loved it. That's great. Sounds like it's a good book. It is a good book. It's an easy read. Mm-hmm. But there I was petting the cat and crying about a dog. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's a good book when you can do those two things and it works. Well, uh, yeah. It's uh, great. But he didn't. He didn't know I was crying about a dog. That's he was true. Just that's true. The love, you know. That's true. Yep. So that's Very all cool. I have Thank today. You. Oh, I Thank did you. read the buddy book already, and it's really good. Oh, Excellent. My. Please come back and let's talk about it in two weeks. Oh, yeah. Yep, two weeks. Oh, Randy is next. Go ahead, Randy. Hi, everybody. I actually and, then, and then Jane will be up again after Randy. So, I, I've i actually never read the book that you didn't like, Nolan, but um, I'm taking a break from Murder and Mayhem for the moment and the Linda Castillo book. We just got our e-readers here in PA. Wow. Um, so I'm reading Dreamland by Nicholas Sparks in Braille. I'm a big nice. Nicholas Sparks fan. Um, but I also am reading on audio. I'm a little I'm further along in it, but I'm reading Count the Ways by Joyce Maynard. Oh, and it's oh, it is such a good book. It's a it's a family story. It's about a it starts out the young girl is looking back on her her childhood was tragic because she was born to parents who were alcoholics and then and they send her to a boarding school and they die when she's a teenager and so she's left with nobody really no direction in her life and she buys a farm she's since she was a teenager she's been writing children's books so she's pretty well off and she buys a farm and marries this guy and it it follows it's about them and their lives and it just it covers everything but it's one of those books that um it it pulls you in once i started reading it i couldn't put it down i've been reading pretty constantly for the last two days and it it's read by the author it's a commercial version i don't remember the db number but it is on bar and it's a commercial version and it's I'm just really enjoying it. Tell me its name again. 
count the ways. Okay. It's the second line in How Do I Love Thee by right. Elizabeth right. Browning. Yeah, very cool. Thank you. Who's next? Uh, Jane is next again. So, Jane, go right ahead. So, Randy, just let those dreams touch your hands and go right through your heart and mind. And, and uh, Count the Ways is a very sweet story. It's it's genuine enough to not be sap, sap, sappy. But I want to talk a little bit more about the, the dog named Beautiful and uh, Rob uh, Kubler. I'm saying it wrong. Anyway... I think the power of this book is that this story was about perception and growing and honesty about uh, life that, that you didn't know how to live and had to figure out. It was as much a, a story about human change as it was about a dog's life. And, uh, as a person who is totally blind and I work with guide dogs, I'm working with, uh, with guide dog number nine. Hold on, let me turn that off. Goodbye. Well, ignore it. Um, as as I've worked with guide dogs, I'm so sorry about that. As I've worked with guide dogs, I often wonder where my life would be different if I could look into their eyes and see their body language. I'm very alert about it and very um, aware. So I delighted in this book for the storying of the dog uh, and for the human growth and change of the author. It was just very fine. Very cool. All right. Thank you. Yeah. we have any more hands up? I think, I think we're caught up on hands. Okay. We're waiting right. for that first review, Nolan. Um, are you up for the the book of the week? Yeah, for yeah. your. <laughs> this, yeah, this is the one that almost made me late. I really can't recommend this highly enough. It's going to be a bit of a believability bender for you. In other words, you're going to have to suspend some disbelief just a bit. Here's the setup, real quick. Rita Wu, that's the main character, is a surgeon at a Southern California hospital. She's been highly successful, has, has, has gotten rave reviews from patients and gotten great scores whenever she's been tested on things. She's one of the prized surgeons in this particular hospital near San Diego. This is a fictional thing, by the way. The author, Kelly Parsons, is an actual surgeon, so he does know of what he speaks. Um... One day after having had some real difficult times with her younger sister, Rita drinks a bit too much the night before she does a surgery. In the following morning, she uh, engages in a bit of sloppiness with regard to that surgery, and the woman upon whom she operated died. The husband of that woman is Morgan Finney. The dead woman's name is Jenny. Morgan Finney is a biotech inventor and engineer. He has tinkered with equipment and things all his life, and they fascinate him. And he is one of these people who is extremely introverted and never got close to anyone until Jenny burst the wall somehow. And because of her love for comics and his love for comics, they became fast friends and then great lovers. He, Morgan, decides when Jenny dies as a result of that surgery that Rita Wu must also die. 
not only must Rita die, but her, but someone very close to her is going to have to die as well, so that Rita will understand the horror of being robbed of someone you love. Morgan Finney is deep into vengeance. It's not just an eye for an eye for him. It's it's the whole Hammurabi's law of, of vengeance, the, the whole thing of just, you know, destroy them. Uh, do whatever you have to do. He creates and sells to the hospital a robotic surgery device that is empowered to do any number of different surgeries, from a simple appendectomy to stuff far more complicated than that. He also devises a a cochlear implant-type device made out of particles and some synthetic materials. And with it, he is able to actually speak into the brain of anyone on in whom he's implanted that device. On a night that she doesn't remember, she Rita went to the hospital and awakens the next morning naked, strapped to a table in an operating room. Her ear hurts. <laughs> She's not sure how she got to that table, not sure why she has no clothes on. Uh, two nurses see that, and of course the gossip begins to fly all over the hospital. Rita was supposed to do an operation that morning on a uh, woman whose command of English is not real high, and they were going to use the robotic autosurgeon uh, device to do it. It was a simple appendectomy. It shouldn't have taken too long. But Rita is sick. Her head aches. She has a nasty um, soul in her ear, and there's blood coming out of her ear as she awakens. She has no memory of what happened. And uh, Morgan Finney has implanted one of his, his little diabolical implants into her ear. And through it, he speaks to her. Not only does he speak to her, he's allowed to, he is able to, rather, do things with that implant that cause uh, her to lose her free will. And, and, and it changes her, her mental thinking, her, her ability to think. And um, this becomes a race against time as uh, Morgan commands her to do the surgery on this woman, a surgery that Rita is not up for because she's still quite ill from the the, the implant, and during the course of the surgery, um, Rita takes steps that uh, will will actually kill this poor patient. Uh, it's not her desire to do it. That's coming from this implant in her head, and um, things just get more fascinating from there. This is so full of suspense, and it is so full of uh, of just oh my gosh, what's going to happen next? I'd, I'm reading this at the doctor's office today thinking, why are you either at this office or reading this now? One of the two really needs to not happen. Um, unfortunately, there was no surgery or anything like that. But uh, I did uh, hold that lab technician in a great de degree deal of reverence, I can tell you, because I thought, boy, I guess if she's got some weird implant, she could do terrible things to me, too. But I really recommend this. It's It's just suspenseful. You're going to be looking at how much time has passed, not because you're bored, but because you're going to think, oh, gosh, well, how much is left? They've got to be able to solve this in the amount of time that's left. And uh, you'll be right there, riveted, right to the edge of your seat with this, uh, if you enjoy medical thrillers. And some of us don't, I know. But again, that's called Under the Knife by Kelly Parsons, P-A-R-S-O-N-S. -S, and the DB number is 90394. <clears throat> That sounds like a good book, too. Oh, it's really a thriller, uh, edge-of-the-seat kind of book. No wonder you didn't want to come back. <laughs> yeah. Jenny, what do you got for us in your little bag of tricks? Well, let's see. Um, 
One book that um, I thought was... There's a trilogy by Nora Roberts, and the first one is called Blue Dahlia, and it's about these ladies that get together, a widow, she's a widow, and she moves with her, she returns, she's widowed, and she returns to her son, Stella's her name, and she returns with her sons back to Tennessee to start a plant nursery. And the books are about the other, her and the two ladies that that live with her in Harper House, and the house has a ghost. And if the ghost doesn't like things that are going on, it creates all kinds of havoc. And they spend these three books trying to get rid of the ghost. And the three women, of course, they it's each one of them falls in love in each of the books. And the, the first one was um, Blue Dahlia. Uh, and that's DB59460. The second one is Black Rose, and that's DB60606. And the third one is Red Lily, and that's DB61562. And they're all by Nora Roberts, and I thought they were really good, and they, they it leaves you hanging enough at the end of the first one that you want to read the second one. And... I just thought they were they were pretty good if you like gothic romance. Very cool. Thank you. Um, no hands up, so... No, the hands are quiet I, at this point. I, I guess I will uh, carry forward here. I want to talk to you about book two in the Philip R. Craig Martha's Vineyard Mystery Series. Philip R. Craig died before he ever could finish this series. It's a tragic loss because it's a well-written series... Ray Fauché from the American Printing House narrates it, and so you have to assume it's going to be remarkably well-read, and it is. I read book one several months ago, and I can't find my notes on it. I apologize for talking to you about book two, but you don't need to have read the first book in order to grasp this one. In book two, the main character is J.W. Jackson, or Jeff Jackson. He is a retired Boston cop who has moved to Martha's Vineyard, he retired not because of age, but because he was forced off the job by disability. He, One of the criminals he was apprehending in Boston shot him, and as a result, he was never able to be a policeman again. So he, he retires to Martha's Vineyard, becomes quite a uh, really knowledgeable fisherman, and, and is uh, minding his own business when a group of Shakespeare scholars comes to the island. They've rented a place on the island where they can all gather and talk about a brand new Shakespeare play, which is, um, eh, how do I describe it? It's, uh, it's a play that has not yet been published. It's one that was found in an old library. And so they have to decide whether it's actually a valid Shakespeare play, these scholars. One of the scholars is Marjorie Summerharp. And uh, as, I, as I wrote in my review, um, Hate was the currency in which she traded, and misery was the shroud she wore. I thought that was a nice turn of phrase, and it's a really good description of this particular scholar. 
On one particular morning, Marjorie Summerharp goes out to have a swim. She's an excellent swimmer. She never comes back. And they find her body in a certain place on the near the vineyard. She had apparently drowned. Um, they, they were going to call it an accidental or a, either an accident or a suicide, depending on what they found, whether they found anything else. Well, J.W. Jackson, he's quite a fisherman, and so he knows the tides on the vineyard. And he, he knows that for her body to wash up where it did, <clears throat> pardon me, it would have been impossible for her to go swimming from the location she allegedly left from. And so he believes there's something wrong immediately. There's no end to suspects in this book because Summer Harp is such a nasty creature. A lot of folks don't like her. And so um, to, to make things more complicated on a personal level, one of these Shakespeare scholars uh, gets the, the hots for, if you will, or a deep lo- interest in poor old J.W. Jackson's girlfriend, whose name whose real name is Zeolinda, Z-E-O-L-I-N-D-A. They just call her Z throughout the book. And uh, unfortunately for old Jackson, uh, Z kind of returns the amorous uh, 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 behavior of this this Shakespeare scholar, at least for a while. Um, Poor Jackson is kicked to the back of the toy box like last year's uh, Santa leavings, right? And um, so it's the academic who has the hots for Jackson's girlfriend who hires him to investigate Marjorie Summerharp's death, which he does. Um, before this ends, there's a lot of interesting stuff that will, will happen. Uh, you're you're going to actually, even if you're a somewhat spiritual person, a person of faith, you might actually quietly cheer for Jackson, as at one point he nearly beats this academic to death. Uh, you can kind of feel his frustration. The guy won his girlfriend, after all. Uh, and the why will make more sense if you read the book. I'm not going to I'm not going to go into it any deeper. The suspenseful ending involves drugs a nasty storm, and a seriously, seriously troubled ocean. And uh, that's a great combination that works well for this particular mystery. Um, again, this is called The Woman Who Walked Into the Sea, a Jeff Jackson slash Martha's Vineyard Mystery. And again, it is Martha's Vineyard um, number two, Martha's Vineyard Mystery number two, by Philip R. And Philip is one L, P-H-I-L-I-P-R. Craig, C-R-A-I-G. The order number, again, if you can are eligible to download books from the National Library Service, is DB36500. And we do have a hand, so let's bring on Don. Hey, Don, come on in. Okay, you with us, or are yep. we with you? We are, you are there. Go ahead. Okay, well, first let me take Sandra out of this. She's not doing too well right at the moment, so let me... Uh, Mute her. I hate to do that to you, my favorite uh, girl, but <laughs> okay. Well, somebody took Don out, so wow. he. <laughs> All right. Don is uh, left the building. Uh, apparently, he'll presumably he'll be back. Let's hope. Yeah. Okay, Jenny, what have you got? Let's see. Um. Firefly Lane by um, yeah by um and Kristen Hannah sorry and um this is a 
This is about childhood friends, uh, Kate and Tully, who be, who they work at a at a TV station. And well, Kate, she her dream was always to be a housewife and have children. And and Tully always wanted to be the superstar. And something happens into to break up their friendship during the time they work at the at the TV station. And but then when something happens and she and Kate really needs her, they mend their friendship. And this was a really good book. I like I think this was the first book I've ever read of Kristen Hannah's and I really liked it. And it's um, DB66232, and it's Firefly Lane. And I believe they made a pretty good movie out of that. I haven't seen that, but I... We got a raised hand, don't we? We do. Randy, come on in, Randy. I just wanted to say that Firefly Lane is my all-time favorite Kristen Hanna book. I've read it so many times, I could probably recite some of the dialogue because I just, I love it. And the movie is on Netflix, and I was disappointed in it myself, but that's my personal opinion. Um, It is such a good book, and it spoke to me on so many levels. I can't say anything without ruining it, but... It, the end was, I could relate to the end, and I I could see somebody I know at one point doing what one of them did. Hmm. And I, I know that sounds a little cryptic, but I can't say anything more without giving that away. Jenny, I think you know what I'm talking about at the very end. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. <laughs> It, it's but, such a good book, and I debated about even reviewing it because it's hard not to yeah. to give too much away. But but the friendship they have it, it's it's yeah. all about what you what would you do you what will you do for a friend and what and when you know you, you have you have maybe one or two really good friends and and they can betray you and ultimately <clears throat> when it comes down to it them. you're still their friend. Yeah, can you forgive them? And it, it just, oh, it, it spoke to me on so many levels. Now I think we're going to have to go reread it. <laughs> <laughs> Kathy is up next. And as we go to Kathy, I would tell you that, in my opinion, generally speaking, the books are usually better than movies. Oh, yeah. I agree. Right. I Most agree with that. Especially totally certain agree. authors like um, yeah. Danielle Steele. Yeah. I've read some really good books of hers that I've seen as movies, and I thought, how stupid, how shallow these characters are in the movie, and they're not like that at all in the book. Oh, yeah, there was a book that was the author. It was set at the blind school where I attended, and uh, it was... The, the book and the movie were totally, totally, totally different. There were so many things that they had in the movie that didn't exist, and all this but it's like wow if that would have been there it would have made things a little maybe more interesting but you know you just knew that but what they have to do with a movie is they have to put things in there to kind of spice it up i couldn't finish the netflix version of firefly lane and it the they the book is a flashback in it scenes from the book are flashbacks 
the movie, the things that go on in the series are actually not in the book. Oh, gosh. Kathy, go ahead. Yeah, I read The Firefly Lane twice. And I read it once, and then many, many years later, someone, uh, you know, gave me the information, and I started reading it, and I thought, boy, this sounds familiar. And then the thing that happened that broke up the friendship, I'm like, I know I read this now. So I enjoyed it. But there is another book after that that is with Tully, and it's not as good. But if you read Firefly Lane, there's another book after it. I do not remember the name of it. I like that book. I really like it. I've got to get, Jenny, will you put all the blue dahlia, black, whatever you called it, red, whatever, will you put it in the in the book notes so we can get all the numbers? Yes, I'll put them all in there. That's awesome because I really look forward to that. I try to get some of the numbers down while we're talking, but sometimes I, I can't get them all. But I have under the knife, Nolan, and I'm going to start reading it pretty oh. soon. <laughs> I, at one point, I literally <laughs> screamed out. out a book. Today, I just I just hollered out. My wife's like, are you having computer problems? Oh, no, it's this book. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds really good, but, you know, I'm pretty busy this weekend. So, uh, yeah, me too. Yeah, I know. I'll be reading this weekend. <laughs> not, nope. not as much, no. Nope. But that's okay. Priority, priority. Uh, big time, go. yeah. yeah. Don, Don you, is next. Yep, Don, come on in. Well, we have a theme today because... I, years ago, when Firefly Lane came out, my sister said to me, you need to read this book because I have a real fascination with um, the way that friendships are depicted. And I can't put into words how much I disliked that book. I, I I got through it because I wanted to talk with her about it and she recommended it. And when I got through it, I said, I will never read another Kristen Hanna book Again, as long as I live, because I thought it was so over the top, and i i didn't I didn't buy into the friendship because I thought it was kind of phony. Um, and what was interesting though was then, like, flash forward a few years, and my sister's like, "You've got to read the Nightingale," but I'm afraid to tell you who wrote it. <laughs> I said, "I have no desire to read that." Well. Everybody kept talking about it, and I thought, all right, it's Kristen Hanna. Let me hold my breath and try it again. And I loved The Nightingale. I absolutely loved it. And then I loved, I forget the one after it, and then I loved um, The Four Winds. I really thought that was wonderful. Um, But it's just interesting how different people with different experiences And I think maybe, too, um, it was so oriented toward relationship between women that it may have been hard for me to relate to. But even allowing for that, I just found it so over the top. Like, I I almost I wanted to I wanted it to end so badly that I didn't care if it ended unhappily. (laughs) That's that's how strong my reaction was. But everybody I know loved it. And I think it's so interesting. And I wonder what causes that, whether it's a time in your life when you read it. Yeah. Because there have been so many, because I've read books that I didn't like once, and then for whatever reason, I ended up rereading it, and I felt different about it. Yeah, yeah. Or vice versa. Yeah. And I always wonder what causes that, whether it's your own life experiences that change or a particular mood that you were in when you read it. 
Well, I recommended to Nolan, my name is Asher Lev. And I went on and on and on and on about this book that I had read. I read it when I was in college, and I loved it. And we read it for a class. So there were four of us who read it. And we spent hours and hours talking about it. And I never forgot it. And a few years ago, I attempted to reread it, and I got through about an hour of it. And I thought, what did I like about this? And then Nolan read it and, of course, said to me, why did you recommend this? Oh, it was awful. awful. (laughs) And now a friend of mine has convinced me, though, that I really need to look at it again. uh, Or it was actually a client who called me and said, I read a book that is so you you would love this book and i don't know why i know you would love it and that was it and i said to him it's so interesting that you'd say that because the first time i read it i loved it the second time i couldn't get through it and i thought it was interesting too because this wasn't someone that knows me on a personal level and he said oh no 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 it's so you and i thought well do i take that as the first time you read it, it's so you, or the second time, because I don't know whether I like that or not. But it was just, and it made you see that the time in my life and what I was thinking of, or, it's really interesting. It is, and I've always wondered that, because there's a, I don't know how many times, well, I've read Flirting with Pete, that was Barbara Taylor Bradford, and I don't know how many, I know the first time I read it, I read it on purpose, and the second time I think I got it from the library, and the title sounded familiar, but I didn't think I'd read it until I got so far in it that I knew I read it, and I still kept reading it anyway because so many things seemed different, and I know I read that book at least three different times and read something different in it every time I read it. Interesting. We have a caller in the 614 area. I bet that's Shirley. Probably. It is Shirley. All right. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. I I want to comment on two things. First of all, Kristen Harmel is absolutely wonderful. Um, If any of you are doubting whether you want to read her book, I have not read this particular one, but I've read at least three others by her. She does a a lot of books on World War II. I've um, also heard her speak in in person. In fact, I got to meet her briefly um, one time because she lives in Orlando and were there uh, part of the year. So I've had the opportunity to hear her speak, and she's just a tremendous writer. The other thing I wanted to say is uh, this Firefly Lane, although I have not seen it myself, I think I saw part of an episode, um, it has been a series on Netflix. So, um, you know, if any of you are interested in uh, in doing anything with that, I have not read the book, but I've heard the series is great. So uh, those are the main things that I wanted to comment on. So, All right, thank you. Thank you very much. No problem. Thank you. Let's uh, bring on. Oh, let's bring on Don. Oh, and, uh, thank you. And everything all right? Yep, there you go. Oh, okay. Go right ahead. Yeah, I want to apologize at the very beginning here because I've been having some real tough luck with my phones and talking on uh, uh, the phone lines to, to people here of late. So I want to apologize about that to start with. Uh, I was going to talk about something else to start with, but uh, time's getting close here. So uh, I want to mention that uh, story about the spirit of Steamboat uh, that uh, oh, yeah. Nolan... Uh, 
uh, suggested a, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. I've been in, been in uh, I've been reading that, and it's very good. I've still got a ways to go in it, and uh, I am enjoying it thoroughly. Well, good. I'm uh, glad to hear that. The thing I want to mention is, real quick, like, is that uh, when my uh, significant other, Sandy, and I, when we first got together, it was mostly over a telephone call I made to her, I guess it was like Christmas Eve, uh, I don't know what year, uh-huh. like, uh, I won't go back how far, <laughs> but one year, um, I, live in, I live in central Wyoming, or I, you know, I used to live there before I moved out here, and uh, anyway, I was back visiting my parents one Christmas Eve. And I was listening to the radio at that time. You can't do it now. There's just too, too much interference. But back then, I uh, heard this radio station, and they were reading a story. It was a Christmas story about a, a pilot who was flying into, trying to fly into uh, one of the places there in England. And But the fog was too heavy. He couldn't see where he was going. Well, then all of a sudden, there was this plane ahead of him, and the guy was, you know, making... Uh, you know, noises or whatever you want to call it, uh, to follow him into the nearest uh, landing zone, uh, uh, nearest airport. So he followed the guy in, and he gets down on the ground, and he finds out that there was no such plane in front of him. How creepy. I was wondering if anyone of you had ever heard of that story, and (laughs) if so, what a call. I'd love to read that. Now, I had read that same story 10 years before that, but I don't remember the title of it. I don't remember the name of it. Wow, I'd love to know the title. That sounded like a great story. Yeah, it was a fairly well, short book. Maybe somebody, Don, will call in next week and tell you. Yeah, I, don't know. Uh, I hope so. Okay, the, well, old, the, old radio, the old radio thing, Don, stay tuned. That's right. <laughs> oh, I will. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Um, now, real quick, um, the book, oh, did you have something else, Don? Pardon? Did you have something else? Oh, no, I didn't have anything else. Okay. Uh, time right. is getting a little short. Okay. Yeah, so. yeah real, real quick, the book that I was talking about that was set at the school where I went to, the author, I don't have the DB number right offhand, but the author is Joan Brock, and the title is More Than Meets the Eye. Okay, great. And uh, I, I spent the whole book trying to see if I could figure out who some of the names were, because, of course, you know, in a, in a true book like that, you kind of have to change the names, you know, of things like that. So I was trying to figure out who they were, and I think I figured some of them out, but I don't know for sure. <laughs> Take us home, Nolan. Okay. This is quick. I am going to recommend to you Golda, colon, Golda Meyer, comma, The Romantic Years. Again, the name is uh, it's Golda, G-O-L-D-A. Then it's uh, her last name is M-E-I-R. This is by Ralph G. Martin. The order number is DB29324. Why does this book matter? When I was a young person, a teenager, the leader of my faith, Spencer Kimball was his name at the time, went to Jerusalem and, and created a study center for members of my church in that, in that city. He had to go through all kinds of hoops, had to promise that, his, that these students would not proselyte, that they wouldn't mention the church anywhere in Jerusalem, but they could come there, build their little building, and study. He spent time with Golda Meir and uh, with Teddy Collick, the mayor of Jerusalem. It really left an impression on me as a young teenager. Here's this guy uh, whom I very much loved and and, uh, thought of as kind of a hero for for various personal reasons. And here he is over there uh, creating this interesting, this study center. In any event, uh, because of that, her, Golda Meir's 
work as the Prime Minister of Israel had always fascinated me. And she always had that unusual gravelly, smoky voice. Uh, this woman, I don't know how uh, how much she smoked, but from the sound of it, it was a she had a, a tremendous uh, cigarette bill. Um, this book is essentially her life, her story. It focuses, unfortunately, on the bed hopping and the romantic years. But as someone pointed out to me, Golda Meir was a socialist, and she's not going to have the same perspective about family that you might have and she's going to be more into free love and and all this other stuff she did marry but it was a sham kind of a marriage it didn't hold up well the reason you want to read this if you do is to learn about the history of the of the nation of israel prior to its birth from from the from the early 1900s up into the, to, to the time israel is is actually born in the spring of 1948 um that's fascinating stuff. You read about the poverty levels and the sacrifices they made. And Golda Meir, because she grew up in the United States, having moved to it from Russia as an extremely poverty-stricken child, she learned how to come to the United States and raise big money among the, the Jews in the United States and others to help finance Israel. Uh, in its heyday, or in its beginnings, the, the country had almost no military. It had I mean, its its soldiers were almost using broomsticks for weapons, uh, almost. It was just a, a nasty, ragtag little mess. And in spite of that, it managed to uh, defeat some pretty pretty impressive foes. Uh, this is her story, and I was fascinated by much of the review. I wasn't real big on the bed hopping and the... Uh, she, she always put Israel and the politics of Israel ahead of being a mom, which made me sad. Um, but she was an incredibly strong leader of that nation back in the 60s and 70s when she was its prime minister. She saw it through one of its most harrowing wars. Uh, you could argue we came closer to nuclear war during that period than at any time in our history, even more closely than the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis, believe it or not. But uh, it, it's worth worth reading. It's Golda, Golda Meir, The Romantic Years by... Um, Ralph G. Martin, once again, DB29324. And that wraps it for me. Thank you very much, and we'll see you all next week. Keep reading. Recording stopped.